first coming attractions. Before you go out and spend money on that new movie or digital media, make sure to listen to the entire show right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll take you behind the scenes, interview celebrities, and review new movies, TV shows, and digital releases. Now, here are your hosts from Kids First Coming Attractions. Hello, welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm Jerry Ors, and today is a very, very special day. You may notice that this is the 400th radio show, and for that, we are going to start off with something very special. We have with us some of our previous Kids First alumni film critics. We have Brianna, Kiefer, and Raven. If you go back on our Kids First website and Kids First YouTube channel, you can see some of their amazing reviews over the last few years, and they are back to the Kids First team today. We're going to be talking with them. Brianna, let's start with you. So the first question I want to ask all of you is... Just on reflection, most favorite film you've ever reviewed and least favorite film ever reviewed. I'm getting the hardest questions out first, I promise. So, Brianna, oh let's start with you. What do you think? Oh, my gosh. That was, oh, my gosh. That's such a, <laughs> wow, you really are starting with the hard questions. Um, <laughs> wow, that is taking me back. I think my least favorite film was, I can't remember the names, wow, was Peach Dragon. Because I didn't really understand, because it was it was like the original, I believe. So when I watched it, I was so confused. And I was like, I'm just really confused. It's what's happening. And it's like, on, upon reflection, I was like, yes, I understand why people like this film. But I was just very confused. And then my favorite film, I have a lot of favorites. I don't, I don't think I can say a favorite. Because I feel like if I would say a favorite, the other films that I really, really like would also feel really bad. So I think I have to take it all the way back, all the way back. Um, Not Bummer Summer, which was my first one that I did for the application process to be Kids First has to be my favorite because it's nostalgic and it will always bring you back to the good old days. You know, one of my least favorite things to do is to go back and watch that review that we had to submit to be (laughs) part of the Kids First team. And, oh, my God, I'm just thinking – how did I do that? How did I have enough faith in myself to do that and just put that online? <laughs> yes. Terrible experience in self-reflection. But <laughs> Kiefer, let's move on to you. Favorite slash least favorite. Oh, gosh, that's very hard. Um, I'm going to go for nostalgic base as well. Um, favorite was, it's got to be 42. Because that was my, yeah. that was the first review I did. And I was like, I, I think I know what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> also, because since it was the, uh, we ended a decade I was reflecting on the best films of the 2010s, and I was looking back at 42. I'm like, oh my gosh, I still really love this movie, and it's so it's special place in my heart. And uh, I think uh, least favorite. Um, I think I, it's only my least favorite because it's the most forgettable. But I remember when I did my review for Seventh Seventh Son, and because what's great about um, going to these movies is you get to go a week early. And I remember after seeing that film, everybody in the audience was quiet, and I just heard one woman in the background go. Well, that was interesting. <laughs> um, not my, it's not my favorite film, but uh, it's, but I mean, out of all the films we reviewed, I mean, like I, I found something I liked about it. But uh, yeah, so Seventh Son, and I agree with you, Jerry. Uh, looking, re- looking back at my reviews, um, my goodness, did I have a terrible haircut? <laughs> I don't know why, but here's the thing: I kept a consistently bad haircut for most of my reviews. That nice bowl cut, salad bowl on my head, trimming with the scissors. It was it was beautifully bad. So, 
Kiefer, that is impressive, though. You got to admit, after all those years, throughout all those years, you kept a consistent haircut. You should be proud of that. For me, it was a spectrum of haircuts. Growing, cut, growing, cut. It was true. (laughs) (laughs) And Raven, how about you? Least favorite slip film slash favorite film? I'm so glad that I'm going last because (laughs) I have not done this for a significant amount of time. And so I'm racking my brain over here. Probably my least favorite films to review were... I did a lot of like the, the made for TV films that I was just like, yeah, you know, that was okay, but yeah, it was okay. Um, but my favorite films to review, uh, probably We Are What We Are was one of my absolute favorites to review because I got to go to this wonderful um, art house theater to watch it. I got to interview the director, Jim Mickle, who's one of my favorite horror directors. And to this day, We Are What We Are is one of my favorite films. Um, I also loved reviewing Ender's Game because I remember... After seeing that film, me and my mom just sat in the car together for like an hour before we drove home and we just talked in depth about what we had seen and all of the, you know, the messages behind it. And I love films like that that make you think for a long time after you leave the theater. Um, And then, oh, there are so many. Probably one more that I'll mention is The Signal. Um, I loved reviewing The Signal. I ended up seeing The Signal in theater like four or five times after watching it um, for the review. And to this day, again, one of my favorite films. And so it's always really cool when, you know, Kids First would allow me to see things that I probably wouldn't have gone to see on my own. And then they ended up really sticking with me into my adult life. So, yeah. That is something I love about Kids First is discussing films. And I love doing that with my family as well. And I love doing it here on the radio show. So we're going to be talking a little bit more about discussing films and film events right after the segment. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. And today is our 400 show. So we are talking with some of our finest Kids First alumni. We are talking with Brianna, Kiefer, and Raven. And now I want to go on a little bit of the reflection side. I want to talk about the discussions we had and also... I want to talk about what we got from Kids First, because personally, when I look back at the reviews I did, oh, I don't know, five, six years ago, I talked completely differently. I wrote completely differently. My reviews were completely different. So before we get into the hardcore discussion stuff, I want to ask each of you, what do you think was the biggest lesson that you got from doing Kids First? Brianna, let's start back with you again. Um, thank you for the easier question. <laughs> um, communication. Big communication, because when I was younger, I was in uh, elementary and middle school, I think before I got into Kids First, and I was so timid, and I was so cut off from people, because I cut myself off from people, and I didn't want to talk to anyone, and um, like school projects were really hard, and and presentations were really hard, and then my mom was like, well, there's this Kids First thing, and I think that you'd like it, because you really like movies, and I was like, okay. So I get into it, and it's it just pushed me so much to just talk to people and communicate and connect with people, and it's like you have to kind of get comfortable with everyone else in the world, so it just gave me a big opportunity to not only talk to the the OGs that I'm talking to right now, but also <laughs> people that I didn't know with with um, interviewing other kids' first members and also people in the movies and and just people that were watching it next to me. I've, I've had conversations with people that were just like, oh, how'd you get in here? And so conversation is, is a really big thing that I took from this, and I will always remember that and be thankful for it. Very good answer, and I completely agree so much. You talk to people you would never be able to talk to before, both on just the radio show and the red carpets to premieres, the interviews that we do elsewhere on Kids First. And Kiefer, same question for you. 
Um, what did you get just, the most? Uh, I, I can't sum it up. It's just I wouldn't be who I am without Kids First. Not only have they is it is an institution. I was able to meet my hero Mel Brooks because of of Kids First. But I think the the number one thing I got from it is uh, appreciation for cinema and my love for movies grew because of it. Not just my articulation of how I what I love about movies, but appreciation of the the many men and women and people who go in and make these movies and what makes a great film and it, it and when I was making my reviews they developed into kind of like little short films because I would do little crazy effects in the beginning I would start editing my reviews and I would start putting green screen effects just because for the heck of it and that made me kind of like production and I think and Ranny Levy who's wonderful founder of this organization has really made I just started college in London which is great and I'm already having a pre-midlife crisis and it makes me reflect about like who I am and what I've become. And I wouldn't be here without kids first. And I'm very grateful for all they've taught me and the wonderful, amazing, truly talented people um, I get to meet. Jerry, Brianna Raven, all of you guys, um, and all the up and coming critics that are on this show right now. Um, they are future. They are future journalists. Our future filmmakers. Our future. Our, our future in general. So, kids first has truly changed my life. And. It takes so much away from it. Definitely agree. And I just want to say to all our audience, if you have not seen Kiefer's reviews, go check them out. They're going to oh, make your day God. so, so much better. They are amazing in every way. It's just beautiful. And Raven, same question for you. What did you get the most out of Kids First? Uh, again, I would echo Kiefer in the sense where it's so hard to sum up. I would not be where I am right now in life uh, if it weren't for Kids First. I've definitely gone down a very different path. Um, you know, when I was doing Kids First years ago, it was more along the lines of entertainment journalism. But before doing Kids First, like, I wanted to be an actress. Like, that was what I wanted to do. I wanted to act. And then I found Kids First, and I found uh, my love of journalism. And now I'm about to graduate college in a couple months uh, with a degree in journalism and film production. Um, I have definitely shifted my focus to, uh, like, social justice journalism, um, photojournalism, documentary production. Uh, but genuinely, like, I would not have found my love of journalism if it wasn't for kids first and this is my life's work and this is my passion and I don't see myself doing anything else and honestly like the biggest skill that I got I mean all of the experiences and people I met and places I got to go through kids first that was amazing but the biggest skill I got was my ability to interview because I interview people constantly and I'm interviewing people from all different walks of life right now I'm doing a huge project on um, homeless population in Boston and so I'm spending a lot of time with homeless individuals and my ability to interview them came from doing countless interviews on red carpets and countless interviews on the radio show and the ability to interview will carry you so far no matter what field you're in it is just an invaluable skill and I would not have got it without kids first so I'm very grateful that is so very true and I just want to congratulate all three of you on the amazing work you're doing the amazing education you're going and I think you all have very bright futures ahead of you and now Thanks, because Jerry. Thank you so much. And now because we are wrapping up with time, I want to ask Ranny Levy, who's actually on the show today, a question as well. Ranny, all these kids here that have gotten so much from kids first, you're responsible for that. So in your opinion, what do you think was the most important task or one of the most important strategies in helping kids be able to speak better or analyze films better? 
Uh, that's a good question, Jerry. <laughs> and, and I should say also that Jerry is doing some amazing interviews right now. I hope you'll have time to tell us about that. But I, I think the most important thing is that we don't talk down to children. We really believe in the authenticity of the voice of a child, whether you're nine years old or 11 or 14 or 16, that you have a, a, a voice and, and an opinion that is, is authentic and needs to be heard by others. I don't think that children are uniquely gifted in having insight beyond what anybody else does, but I, I think that everybody has their own opinion, and that's, that's what we try to bring out of everyone. I think that's a beautiful goal, and I think Kids First is accomplishing it amazingly in my personal experience. And, Renny, I just want to say thank you on behalf of all of the critics of Kids First. Thank you so much for making all of what we do possible, making the radio show possible, the events possible, the screenings possible. Thank you for making it all possible. Now, luckily, Kiefer, Brianna, and Raven will be hosting the rest of the show, so let's take a break. I'm Jerry Ors from Los Angeles, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. This week's show is sponsored by Sonic Boom Season 1, Volume 2. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First Film Critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions, and today we are talking about the new film Emma with Arjun. I'm Raven Devaney, coming all the way from Boston as a guest host on the 400th episode. It is so good to be back. It's been a while since I've been on the show, and it feels so good to be here. Arjun, how are you doing today? Pretty good. How are you? I am doing splendid. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about the new 2020 film, Emma, starring Anya Taylor-Joy? Well, it's based off of the original novel by Jane Austen. You know, she writes a lot of uh, novels which are set in older 
British, almost like colonial times ish, and they're they're a lot of times they're kind of sat- satirizing on um, uh, just manners and and social status and that sort of stuff, like which is very common with among British people back then. And the book itself is probably that sort of a thing. And from the movie, I got that sort of a, a vibe. But it's more or less like sort of like a romance story, but it's it has a lot of social commentary behind it. And can you talk a little bit about the uh, main character, Emma, and who's played, as I said, by Anya uh, Taylor-Joy, who I personally love. She was in a film set in a similar time period called The Witch a while back, uh, which also sort of talks about, like, the customs of that time. Um, And I know this film is a bit of a romance and touches sort of on you know, the, the, the standards of, of what women were held to, which I know is a very big topic right now in our society. So can you talk a little bit about that? Well, um, I think she, she was absolutely fantastic. She was definitely the best performance in the movie. I mean, it's good to see her career go the way it did. I mean, I really liked her in the witch. I mean, she was good in split. There's, there's a lot of other movies out there. There's one called thoroughbreds, which I really liked. Uh, but she's very good. I mean, she has something very natural about her. And uh, it's also very impressive that she does the posh British accent really well because, you know, she's she's from the U.S., you know, and she's really young, too. So, I mean, I, it takes a lot of effort to be like that. But I think I really ended up liking Emma as a character. She's very clever, and I think she captures that aspect of her really well. Mm-hmm. And something that I you know, personally really admire about period pieces set in this era are the costumes and the, um, the set design. So can you speak to that a little bit? Um, I think the costumes were really nice. It, it really set the vibe and, and the tone overall. Um, they, they nailed it perfectly, like that time period, you know. And I don't really know what else there is to say. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a connoisseur on, like, how the, how the um, dresses looked back then. But um, they they looked pretty well. I mean, I, I the costume designer knew what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And in terms of the age demographic and audience that you would recommend this film for, what would you say? Now, this is almost G-rated, aside from a brief scene with nudity in it that really could have been avoided. I don't know why it was there, but um, it's it's pretty G-rated. But the the you know the concept and the themes and everything going behind it. Um, even though I would say like anyone seven and or eight and up can watch it. I mean, I feel like it's really, it's got a specific demographic it's going for, you know, you got to be into these period movies, period um, set movies. And, uh, um, what was I about to say? Um, and I was at times, I felt that the movie was extremely slow. It really, I mean, it's, it's really boils down to whether the movie is for you or not. And, I think that you have to know whether you want to watch this movie or not before going in. And I don't think any seven-year-old is going to want to watch this movie anyways. I mean, you know, it's going to be an older demographic, of course. But, I mean, anyone seven and up can watch it. I mean, aside from that brief scene, there's literally nothing here. Absolutely. Well, Emma comes out in theaters on February 21st. It is rated PG, but... It is a two-hour-long film, so yes, it does depend on what you're willing yeah. to sit through. It looks beautiful, though. I'm definitely going to go check it, it out. Is, it is a very beautiful movie. That Arjun. is one thing I have to add. Mm-hmm. Arjun, thank you so much for chatting with me about Emma. I very much appreciate it. Uh, we will okay. be right back after this message. Thanks so much, for Raven, for hosting that segment. We are now going to transition to a known love story. 
This one's not quite a period piece. It is to all the boys. P.S. I still love you. And we're going to be talking with Catherine about this film. Catherine, first thoughts overall. What did you think of the film? Well, I thought it was actually a very good movie. It really does reflect on, like, the choices made by teenagers and, you know, kind of going through high school, getting your way through there. And also I thought, you know, the storyline was very imaginatively written. You know, I always felt that teenage romance films was such a fine line because you can get it to be very corny, very artificial, very cheesy, very fake in so many ways. It's extremely hard to narrow down how to do a teenage romance film well. So my first question related to that is, does the film feel realistic? Does it feel authentic? Do you not feel like you're watching some sort of over-dramatized performance written by a 40-year-old? Well, at some points it is a little corny, but overall I thought that the acting was pretty strong. And at that point when it felt corny, do you think you distracted from the overall length of the film, or do you think it was just that moment it kind of felt like it's supposed to be corny? Um, I feel like that moment, it might have supposed to have been corny. I mean, it was there were some parts that were like hilarious, but also corny. So, yes, I thought that it was meant for that, but um, not, you know, for the whole thing. That's very fair. And this is also a sequel to another film to All the Boys I've Loved Before. Have you seen the first film by any chance? I have not. Perfect. So does that mean that the film is still enjoyable by people who have not seen the first film? Does the story stay separate enough or do you think you really need some prior information? I think that it does a great job just picking off, uh, picking up off of where the original movie started i don't know the storyline of that movie but i i thought i i thought i would i could understand all of it very well and overall what would you say uh was the demographics for this film because of course a teenage romance is not going to apply to every single audience member so overall do you think it applies to a certain group of people a certain age rating what do you think well i think that i think the age range should be probably like 14 to 18 adults might like this as well you know it it has to be for people who like those kind of romances and stuff there is a bit of mature content though i see so do you think what do you think parents should keep an eye out just in case they want to make sure that it's appropriate for their children well yes um so there is um a, a you know a little bit of bad language but that's not like the main focus i mean it's a lot of things like, you know, playing cups and drinking and and then later dr driving and then, you know, romantic stuff like that. So <laughs> I see. So parents should expect that this film shows a very stereotypical high school life. But overall, Catherine, how many stars do you give this film and why? I give this film a four out of five stars. And why is that? enjoyed it i do think it could have excluded a couple of the scenes that were unneeded but you know overall i did like it i see well it seems like a great film i definitely recommend it to our audience Catherine. thanks so much for talking to us for our audience let's take a break i'm your host jerry ors and this week's show is sponsored by sonic boom season one volume two 
To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First Film Critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back to Kids First Coming Attractions. I am Brianna Hopiton coming from Florence, Italy. Um, we have just talked about uh, To All the Boys I Loved Before, the sequel um, with and we've also talked with Raven and Kiefer and Jerry about the OG squad of um, Kids First Coming Attraction. So I'm super glad to be here. We are now talking to Benjamin, Ian, Ava, Tiana, and Ethan about Sonic the Hedgehog. So we have a full list of ideas and um, people to get their, get their opinions about this film. So I just wanted to start off with Benjamin. Um, what is the first thing when you saw this film that just grabbed your attention that was like oh my gosh this is this is why I wanted to see this film this is why this film would be great for other people like what is the first thing that that reached out to you um I really enjoyed the visual look of Sonic uh there was quite a bit of publicity around um the redesign of that character they had one look and it was not really all that well received so they went back and tinkered with the design and I think it came out really well um, it, by kind of bringing to life this character's cartoonish elements, and makes it him feel more at home in this film. No, definitely, I definitely agree. I remember. I think this is a, one of the only times, if the only time, that I remember seeing a trailer come out with one look, and then them being like, "Okay, never mind. Let's just fix it because no one really <laughs> likes it anymore," and they change it, and you see the two different. Sonics, and you're like, well, you know, I totally understand why they changed it, because the second one looks so much better. Yeah. Um, Ian, uh, what do you think, I mean, obviously for me, I believe that this film would be more for the younger ages, but in specific, why do you think that this film is, is for a younger demographic? Since I've been playing Sonic the game since I was, like, five years old, Wow. I think that, I think that little kids will really enjoy, like, like how an anthropomorphic 
like how an anthropomorphic character is just running around, just running around being speedy, and I and I think that little kids are really into that stuff. So that that's. So. No, yeah, that's insane that you've been you've been playing since you were five. I wish I could I could say that I played a game since I was five. I I play something for a little bit, um, and then I'm like, mm, well, that's enough. But that's crazy that you've been playing it for six years. I think that you have a, a good connection with it, seeing as you've been playing it for so long. Um, Ava, do you think that? even though this film is for younger ages, that older, older people or even families could enjoy it? I actually do. Um, I went to the film with my mom, and I found that my mom enjoyed the film more than I did. I, I just loved Sonic so much. There was so much humor in it, and I think that everybody all ages like it. I think so too. I'm I'm a big fan of um, of family movies. I it's like no matter where you are, no matter who you're with, you can definitely always watch, <laughs> always watch these types of movies. Um, Tiana, I in researching this film, I saw that obviously there's a game and there's a, t- a TV show, and it goes like way back um, to the '90s. Do you think they did a good job of revamping? kind of bringing it to this generation and seeing, like, the cinematography and everything, do you think they did a good job of kind of bringing it up to date? Yes, they definitely nailed it, and I really like um, how they did have a chance to redesign the movie and make it look like the older Sonic that maybe more of the adults would remember and then brought it for, like, our generation to kind of see it better. That, that's good to know. I um I was going to watch this, and it comes out on the fourteenth. So you will, you guys can watch it when this radio show is out. Um, but I was thinking that I should watch the first, like the original ones, and like all that I can find for the original Sonic to kind of appreciate this more. But it sounds like they did a good job of kind of keeping the old, but also introducing the new. So that's good to know. And Ethan, how many stars do you give this film out of five, and why? I'd give it five out of five stars because this is possibly one of the best like movies I've ever seen. And it really brings back like a lot of memories when I was younger because I used to play the little game where you had to collect the rings with all the Sonic yeah. and the Hedgehogs. And this just brings all those memories back. But to see him animated with other like human beings, that's just really cool. So that's why I'd give it five out of five stars. Oh, I I'm so glad you liked it. I was really I was really looking forward to seeing this film, and now I know going into it that I will I will be able to know and that it's it's a very good film. And to all the rest of you, does anyone have like I know I always know that Ethan really enjoyed it, and he gives it five out of five. Does anyone give it something drastically different or have a different view of the film? No, we're all, we're all on board with the five yeah. out of five. Awesome film. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah, it was really amazing. <laughs> a unanimous vote. I see, I see. Well, thank you all for talking about Sonic the Hedgehog with me. Sonic the Hedgehog, as I said before, comes out on uh, February 14th, 2020. Um, so I would go check that out if I were you. And um, it seems like a very solid film.
Um, you are listening to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network. And today we are switching over to talk to Zoe and Benjamin about Wendy. Um, Wendy is um, a kind of period piece and it's to, it's PG-13 and it comes out on February 28th of 2020. So, Benjamin, what were your first takeaways from this film like what did you take away that you think that would be good to see in other films coming up i admired it more than i liked it i really respected the filmmaking um there's a pretty big dedication to practical effects that you don't really even see from filmmakers like martin scorsese or steven spielberg anymore and uh hearing a lot about all the things they did to bring the story to life is pretty impressive but frankly it there's just a lot of ideas um, throughout this film, and I didn't feel they were all that well executed. Okay, interesting. And what were some of the clashing ideas, Benjamin? There's a lot about aging, and then it's sort of about mothers, and it doesn't quite wrap it up in a way that feels satisfying or all that affecting. Okay, okay, interesting. And Zoe, do you feel as though that you had the same takeaway that the ideas didn't match up? Yeah, my review, I'm looking at it right now, and it's exactly what Benjamin just said. Like, I thought, like, in the whole story, I feel like there were kind of too many purposes or too many symbolisms, which makes, like, the main purpose hard to follow. Um, But I did really, like, admire it in a lot of ways. I thought it was really interesting how the film was shot in 16 millimeters. It's, like, a format that's artistic, but it represents more efforts, technically speaking. Okay, okay. It seems it seems like even with all of the different aspects and ideas, that there are still things that make this film worth watching. If 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 that is what I'm hearing, um, Benjamin, what is your favorite scene in this film? I I sometimes ask this question when um, some things are good and some things are bad, but I feel like a favorite scene of a film will always bring everyone kind of in the same accord. My favorite scene in the film, it's near the end. It's not a spoiler, though. Um, okay, good. It's where Peter, <laughs> Peter Pan and Wendy um, sort of get a moment to themselves and sort of discuss the um, what mothers mean to them. I thought it was knowing what you know about these characters, it made this interact it gave this interaction a greater emotional significance. And I would say it's probably the closest that um, I got to feeling what this movie wanted me to. Okay. And Zoe, since it, you know, Peter Pan and Wendy, like the film is called Wendy. It's such a classical um, it's such a classical idea and classical story. And it's, it's, it, I, don't, I don't know, for me, it was my childhood and I absolutely loved it. I've seen Peter Pan multiple times. But Zoe, do you think that it seems like it has a little bit of an older demographic, like it could be for older people, like definitely because of the clashing ideas. Do you think that someone of older age, like, you know, 20, 25 would, would understand what's going on? Or, or, or do you think that it's, it's for the younger ages solidly? Um, definitely more for, like, the adult side. I feel like, um, like, from kids ages 10 to 18, like, and of course adults, 
Like, I feel like it would be better for that type of audience. There is some, like, intense languages, and I feel like younger children wouldn't fully understand, because this is technically, like, a re-imaged version of Peter Pan. Mm -hmm. Okay, that that makes a lot of sense, because some some ideas in Peter Pan aren't aren't very PG and aren't very um, for the family, if you really look into it. And um, finally, Benjamin, how many stars do you give this film out of five, and why? I'm going to give it two and a half out of five, because there is a lot to admire here, even, even if it's not all that well executed. At times, it feels a little messy, um, but there are certainly some moments that make you see what they were going for, even if they didn't succeed at it. And it is them trying something relatively new and taking chances, which I liked. That's good. Well, I am looking forward to seeing Wendy. Again, it comes out February 28th. Um, Just to uh, see, I'm a hardcore fan of Peter Pan, so I'm going to watch it and I know I'm going to love it. But thank you so much, Zoe and Benjamin, for talking about Wendy with me. Um, let's take a break. I'm Brianna Hope and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Our sponsor for today's show is Sonic Boom Season 1, Volume 2. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First Film Critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hello and welcome back to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Kiva Blakesley. Boy, it feels good to say that again. We are celebrating our 400 show. Woohoo! And I am reporting from jolly old London, and it is great to be on here. Uh, speaking of seasoned critics, we have here the wonderful Jerry Oz, and a dear friend as well. So it's been great talking to him about the Independent Spirit Awards, as well as some a um, Q&As he went to, especially with talking about um, up-and-coming filmmakers. So, um, Jerry. Oh, yes. boy, we have a lot to talk about, mate. So, first of all, let's talk about the director's close-up, which was a wonderful discussion this year with, like, Speakers like Lulu Wang, the director of Farewell, 
We have um, Olivia Wilde. We have Noah Baumbach. Like, fantastic up-and-coming filmmakers. Well, sorry, not up-and-coming. They are established filmmakers, but they have created some great films for 2019. So um, tell us a bit about how that um, intimate conversation was with these filmmakers. Oh, it's fascinating. The Director's Close-Up is always a really great series of Q&As. They do every year Film Independent does it. And it's always such interesting people, and you learn such interesting things. Now, of course, there are a lot of wonderful directors that were covered here, but one of my favorite panels was actually about something we don't really talk about a lot on Kids First. It was about television. It was about television shows, and specifically being a director on television shows, which not a lot of people know about. It's very different from being a director on a feature film. So that was very interesting to learn about. On the television panel, we had people from um, the show's Pose, Transparent, uh, Genfield, Dickinson, Globe. The list goes on and on. It was an amazing panel. Oh, Pose is one of my favorite shows. Oh, season two was fantastic. Um, so uh, speaking of which, uh, what you said there was a lot of interesting information. Um, Jerry, or as you, or you, you yourself are a rising filmmaker, and I am very excited to see what more you will do in the future. Uh, what did you feel like you learned as a as a um, well child writer director? Is there anything as a wise wisdom that you took away from it? Well, thank you very much. I think that Noah Baumbach was one of the most interesting people to hear talk, just because his films are very different from what you typically would see in a fictional film. They are much more like documentaries, where the characters and the stories feel real they don't have giant conflicts of aliens invading earth they have very intimate situations between people that you would see in everyday life so it was interesting to hear his process and how he does it he has a very interesting writing process where he doesn't do it alone he actually has actors and crew and uh cinematographers work with him to be able to make sure that the script is best fit for production not just best fit to tell the story that was very fascinating to learn about. We also, of course, uh, got to hear from Alma Harrell, who is the director of Honey Boy. And Honey Boy is telling about Shia LaBeouf's experience as a child actor and very negative experiences. So it was interesting to hear her talk about the creation process where, one, they had to make sure that Shia LaBeouf didn't have any traumatic experiences reliving these moments. And two, the child actors they had on set themselves didn't have any traumatic experiences acting out these scenes. Wow. Uh, again, Honey Boy, oh my goodness, it's, it's great about these panels is that we get to talk about underrated films, because Honey Boy was one of the most underrated films this year, and it was, ah, uh, it was truly phenomenal, and uh, it, yes, the process of, like, directors working with their actors, I think that's a very intimate connection, and to really try to, try and do, like, it's hard to teach that as a, as a director, and just being able to, you know, communicate with your actors is a very very special talent. Uh, what would you say is the most, what do you think is the most crucial aspect of maybe of supporting independent cinema? Since this close-up was um, conducted by the Independent Spirit uh, Organization, why is it important to support independent cinema? I think it's not just independent cinema, but really any cinema that's not what we consider blockbuster films. Those are the places where you actually see cinema as a medium develop because generally blockbusters films may be able to develop the marketing or the uh, interactions of films and how they connect to society. But it's in the independent and then the foreign segments where we can really see films experiments because understandably 
studios who spend millions and millions of dollars on films don't really want to take massive risks. So it's in the place of smaller budgets, smaller films where we can see that innovation. And if we never supported it, then we'd see the same films again and again and again because there's no one creating anything new. It's just an isolated system. And that's kind of what happened in the 30s and 40s and 50s with the studio system where everything was just the studio films. And if you go back and you look at some of the studio films from the studio era, there is definitely some repetition. And I think a great example is the modern day uh, foreign film that just won Best Picture, Parasite. That is an exceptional film. It is a foreign film, so American audiences haven't really seen it as much as some other contenders like Ford versus Ferrari, for example. So I think it's extremely important to just see any film that you may not know too much about, whether it's independent or foreign, or maybe the studio just decided it isn't worth marketing it. We're going to talk more about that, because that's a very interesting discussion you talked about. Today, we, we are celebrating our 400th show, and we have a wonderful... Kids First alumni, Raven and Brianna, myself, and also we have Jerry. We're going to be talking about the films To All the Boys I Love, P.S. I Love You. We're going to be talking about Emma. We're going to be talking about Sonic the Hedgehog and the Independent Film Spirit Awards. Wow, it's been a while since I've done this, but it's really still good to be back. Uh, We're going to continue our conversation with the wonderful Jerry Oris about the Independent Film Spirit Awards, which is like the Oscars, but they actually support female filmmakers. Ooh, shade, I know. Commercial. Um, Speaking of which, uh, you were there actually at the Spirit Awards, which I am very envious of, especially since I'm across the pond. Unfair. But um, what was who were some of the people that you met while you were on the red carpet of the Independent Spirit Awards? I got to talk to a lot of filmmakers from the films that you probably wouldn't even heard of from the Academy Awards. A lot of films that have very, very small budgets. There's a special prize called the John Cassavetes Award, which is for films under $500,000 in budget. And I understand that may seem like a lot of money but when you consider the cost of just a cinema camera is generally around six hundred thousand dollars to a million dollars you can see suddenly wow that's a very small budget so it was interesting talking to them and learning about how the producers and the directors and everyone work together in order to keep the budgets down and also i talked to some actors for example i talked to um Aggie robertson who plays harry he is a child actor in marriage story I talked to Elizabeth Moss, an actress, uh, for her performance in Her Smell. And I talked to Alma Harrell. We mentioned her earlier in the last part of the segment. She's director of Honey Boy. And I got to see some other people on the carpet, like uh, you mentioned Lulu Wong, who's the director of The Farewell. Uh, Jennifer Lopez was on the carpet. She had a role in the nominated film The Hustler. So a a large range of people. What I love about it is it seems that, you know, A-list celebrities like Olivia Wilde, Jennifer Lopez, are giving a lot to the independent segment. You can really see that at the uh, Spirit Awards. And that's what I love about this this award show is because they do celebrate the the films that um, we don't really hear much about. Like you said, it's with big blockbusters, they have more advertisements. But I think what's great is that because of like streaming services like Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, Vudu, Hulu, Gulu, all these wonderful streaming services, we're being exposed to a lot more independent cinema and, of course, foreign cinema. Because, of course, Parasite won Best Picture, the first ever foreign film to win Best Picture. And that's I feel like that shows a shift in where we're seeing movies and the exposure we're given, not just to our blockbusters, but also to for an independent cinema. So, um, when you were interviewing these these uh, these actors and these filmmakers, 
what was some of some of the questions that you asked them, and did you did you learn anything when you were talking to them? I really wanted to learn, especially to the actors, how they did the performances because a lot of times independent cinema wants to tackle subjects that are extremely complicated and extremely important to today's society. For example, I got to talk to Calvin Harrison Jr., who is the main lead in the film Loose, and Loose is about a high school student who comes from a war-torn nation to America, and he is accused of putting some illegal items in his locker. So there's a lot of things to kind of balance out there, especially because he's actually innocent and he's also star athlete. Like the list goes on and on of what the actor has to balance. The same thing with Elizabeth Moss. If you look at her past films and her and her current films, she almost always plays very complex women who often have to go through a lot of different issues. So I was fascinated with asking them, how do they manage all of that in their performance? That's a lot to handle. And most of them responded that, they did research, you know, they researched what it's like for people in those situations or for what Elizabeth said, she puts a lot of faith in the script. And I think that is definitely something that hasn't really been happening a lot just in general in cinemas. There hasn't been a lot of faith in storytelling. I would agree with you tenfold. I would love to talk more about independent cinema with you, but unfortunately we are out of time. But Jerry, it is always a pleasure talking to you. And film history is still going, mate. So I look forward to working with you in the near future, my friend. To YouTube. There's nothing to really plug to watch, but if I had to plug one thing, uh, it's The Farewell, which is which won Best uh, Feature at the Independent Spirit Awards. It's rated PG. It's about family, and it is a lovely film, and I think kids and families could go see that film. It is truly amazing. Please go watch it. Find your local listings, and, of course, support independent cinema. With that said, thank you so much for joining us for our 400th radio show. I look forward to talking to you on our 500th. Uh, thank you for listening to Kids First Coming Attractions to watch our latest reviews and red carpet interviews, DVDs, TV shows, music, and apps, and to learn how you, too, can become a Kids First film critic and join us and learn and be educated in the art and communication and journalism. Be sure to check us out on www.kidsfirst.org and also... Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Channel. Look for our reviews on Press for Kids, KidsWorld.com, and KidsFilm News. This show is produced by the Coalition for Quality Children's Media for Voice America and iHeartRadio. I'm your host, Keeper Blakesling, and I'll see you next time. Thank you again for tuning in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, you know more which movies, TV shows, or digital media to look for, or learned about the talent that worked on or off camera on them, and can make informed decisions about what to watch. Be sure to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss an episode, and tune in again next week.